1: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
0: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. And the Lakers will not be going winless this preseason. They got a fun one in Golden State last night, 124 to 121. AD had a huge first half Uh, Kendrick Nunn continued his strong play and Matt Ryan caught fire in the second half and uh, Lakers pulled out the win and you were on the ground to see it, D. You were in the arena, man. Talk to us about your night. It was a good, fun basketball
3: game. The Lakers have been playing some fun basketball this preseason and last night. I thought that was especially the case. I did not realize before I committed to go into the game that LeBron russ Mm -hmm. pat bev we're all going to sit and and so if if there's some news stuff from before we start to get into the game all those three guys sat uh darvin ham said before the game that it was sort of um all a part of the plan which uh oh that's fine um i'm not sure if that was like if it was all a part of the plan maybe we would have known before the game that they were going to sit but that's fine Um, Another piece of news that I didn't realize beforehand is that uh, Troy Brown's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Mm -hmm. Darvin Hamm mentioned that as well. So his back issues um, are still there. I did see Troy Brown working out before the game. And so he seems like he's progressing, but still a ways away, it seems. Um, And Darvin did mention as well that Dennis Schroeder would be practicing today, the day that we're recording the pod. So all of that is just some newsy stuff that we can hit. Before we start to get into the actual game. Um, But as far as the experience of being there and seeing them up close, um, I was just I was super struck by just their level of competitiveness defensively. Pete like they were really getting after it, and it was another strong first half of like when all the rotation guys were playing from both sides that I just liked the fact how they were just getting after it defensively, and there was a bunch of individual performance stuff um you already mentioned a d and none, but I thought Lonnie Walker played really well too i'm interested though in in sort of what you were seeing from the tv view because normally that's my view right Right. i get all the replays i get all the announcers talking (laughs) about this this that and the other um and so it's a different it's a different vantage point even from like i wish mike was here too because he has a vantage point because he's courtside and yesterday he actually did a radio call um he filled in for michael thompson so Mm -hmm. He has one vantage point from there. I've got a vantage point from up in the stands a little bit, but you've got the TV angle. So I'd love to sort of hear your thoughts about, um, well, anything in particular, but AD especially because he seemed to have a very smooth night from my view. You look up and he's got like 14 points already. He's been to the line Mm -hmm. a few times and the jumper is falling. And it's just sort of like, hey, this dude, that's the dude that is super good.
2: When 80's at his best, he's a wing who's too fast for bigger players and a big who's too big for wings. And his ability to dominate and score, I I really want to focus on the offensive end with him. It was a strange season last year, in part because he's so skilled that seeing him just not be able to shoot jumpers, he was like the second or third worst shooter outside of the paint that took a decent sample size last year. and. He was one of the best in the league at that. And it's not not all about threes or even nearly all about threes. He had just a, an automatic mid-range jumper, a little sidestep jumper on the left baseline. His ability to step into those threes, he stepped into a couple of threes at the top of the key yesterday, and just everything looked really smooth and skilled. And so he's played two games this preseason so far. It was a late scratch in another due to the lower back tightness. And I thought he... Was dominant in different ways in both of those games. In that first game, he started at the four uh, and he got 11 rebounds in that first half, 11 defensive rebounds. And then in this game, he started at the five. And that's where I want to take this. After seeing things kind of progress over the course of this preseason, I'm like 75% sure that AD is going to start at the five this season. If there was a game for him to start at the four, it would have been this because as you said, LeBron was out, Russell Westbrook was out, Patrick Beverly was out, and if – ad the plan is for him to start at the four you have damian jones you have thomas bryant and you're missing all of those other guys it would make perfect sense hey let's get one of those bigs in there to do that so the fact that it was jta in that spot and then to me it's max christie building in for patrick beverly as the on-ball defender lonnie walker as the athletic guard that fills in for russ i don't know i see kind of the shape of the starting lineup taking place so i'm curious where your thoughts are on that
3: no, it's super interesting. So on the way home, I wasn't really there to like ask a bunch of questions like of the coaches or or talk to Darvin Ham or whatever. But on my ride home, I was actually thinking more and more about this exact idea that you brought up and that an interesting question to Coach Ham at this point is what he thinks of this big man rotation, right? And so I was thinking about it more within the context of winning Gabriel because Gabriel's been the only big that's actually... Been playing the same sort of role every single night, right? And so, Mm -hmm. AD's missed games. LeBron has missed some games, but the other two centers in Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones, one of them has been relegated to mop-up duty in every single game. Mm -hmm. Right? They've become the odd big out. Whereas Gabriel has basically got against the Warriors, he got some backup center minutes, and he was the lone big, and then he got some power forward minutes as well. I'm interested in projecting not only Gabriel's role, but as you talk about AD, what AD's role is going to be, because we were under the impression that the Lakers were going to play bigger this year, like their minimum contract centers that they signed were supposed to be much better than last season's players. And I think that they have been in the aggregate very early Mm -hmm. on during this preseason. But last season, the Lakers were supposed to play AD at center a lot. And that did and did not happen for a variety of reasons. Um, but it could be shifting to this year, Pete. Like, and the Lakers are a – we talk about their lack of wings, right? But they have a lot of perimeter <laughs> players in general, yeah. right? So they've got a lot of guards. They've got, some, they've got a lot of speed and, and way more athleticism. Than what they had last season on the perimeter. And leveraging that is probably their best bet in order to be a successful team. Like the guards, and we can get into this more with Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves, but their sort of off-ball defensive stuff and their ability to sort of dig down, and JTA was doing this too, getting Mm -hmm. in passing lanes, getting deflections, that leads to more transition opportunities and that's where this team is going to be at their best and the way that you get to those looks more is by playing your best big at the center position which is where Mm -hmm. ad ended up being I thought A.D. looked great against Looney. He absolutely put James Wiseman in the torture chamber for their minutes where they were matched up together. And he was just giving Wiseman fits like in the pick and roll and then isolating him in turn and turning face looks from the left block. And that's where A.D. can basically work over almost any big man in in the league. He even gave Joel Embiid fits from those spots last season when they played in Philly. And, and, and so I think you might be right, like, It's looking like AD's, they're obviously not looking like AD's been their best big man, but in order to make the lineup work, you might put him at power forward, but it may just be like, hey, LeBron, you go
2: be power forward and then we'll figure out ways to guard. I mean, after, if you write out our players on this team and all of us will have a slightly different order, but if you just write out our best players ranked one through 15, it's very difficult three, four, five, six, seven, and even eight to not have guards at all or close to all of those spots. If you just write out who are our best players. And there are some times where you look at this, these are the guys that we have. And I, that said, there's a certain resignation to that, that I don't think is necessarily true in the roster construction of this. You were talking about the guards ability to big, to dig down. Like I've been so impressed with Lonnie Walker on defense. We'll see. Right. But uh, just watching him track Steph and just his defensive competitiveness combined with he's a real athlete, like he he can be a handful on that end. And so just watching our perimeter defenders, we're waiting for Dennis to come in and we know what he brings to the table there. It I'm impressed at the degree that the roster matches the ethos. If you're going to play this style of defense on the perimeter, I'm going to have a video coming out about this, uh, about our defense and kind of how we go about it. But if you need to cover ground and you need to track and dig down and then you know haul ass and close out to a three-point shooter we've got a roster that can do that especially at the one two three spots and so you we will see there that's going to have weaknesses just as any style of player any style of roster does and i'm curious how we manage against the stronger wingy type of teams like the clippers are going to be a really interesting matchup in my opinion that said though for a group of guys that are mostly vet minimum and mle caliber guys. Our ability to play credible quality basketball on both ends of the floor throughout the preseason has been really impressive considering the talent that's been available. Well,
3: it's because they're playing hard, man. Like, I feel like we're going to harp on this almost every single pod, but it's because it's standing out, particularly relative to last season. So if you are going to play this style style of defense too, and and you're going to be successful at it, there's no... Going at it half speed or three quarter, quarter speed, you got to be out there working. And, and so, like, I think of you brought up Max Christie as sort of a stand in for an on ball guard, right, to pressure the ball. But Christie, to me, is a perfect example of this dude's moving his feet. He is getting to spaces. He is fighting to get over the top of screens. He is providing back pressure. And he is a second round rookie mm-hmm. who is just like, okay, well, this dude is doing every single thing that the coaches are asking of their perimeter defenders and you see that from every single guy right and, and and so Lonnie Walker is doing that Austin Reeves is doing that I've been super impressed with the back pressure with guys who have been getting around screens really fighting yeah. over the top how many screens Pete how many illegal screen yeah drawn fouls have the Lakers had this season two or three a game it seems yeah. like and it's and and it's because they are really fighting to get over the top And those bigs are having to sort of move their hips out a little bit more in order to try to keep those guards away from the ball handler. And that level of competitiveness is just great to see because it's how you sort of punch above your weight class defensively, Mm -hmm. I think.
2: That ability to fight through screens and back pressure is a super important part of this defense because the five is so hanging back and it's so built around protecting the rim on that back line that it's really important that the guard stays attached. Uh, Austin's been great at this. This is something that Pat Bev's made a career off of as well, but he's been one of those guys that's drawn a lot of those offensive fouls that you're talking about. And even if it's not that, he's blocking about a jumper a game. He got CP3 on a jumper a couple of games ago, right? Or well, he, he got one last night over- too. Yep, yep. And he's gotten a, a, at least one a game, and this is something that Pat Bebb does a lot. He averaged like point nine blocks a game even though he's six one right is and a lot of those come from those back pressures and that ability to stay attached and so i my number one thing from the start of this year that I wanted to see is us to build a credible defense. I actually think our offense is a little ahead of our defense right now, which is the opposite of what the impression was beforehand. Uh, but I'm very, very impressed and very uh, excited about what our defense is capable of. This also portends well with our ability to compete in, on the inevitable games where LeBron doesn't play or AD doesn't play, right? Like that idea that we can keep our heads above water. That's part of what an 82 game season is. And when you were talking about Max uh defensively, he actually started the game with a block shot, nice little play on Jordan Poole. I was thinking to last year of all the times where Russell Westbrook was your best choice amongst the perimeter defenders that were on the floor at the time. Like Russ is your best bet to guard the guy, their best guy. And that's never going to be the case this year on this roster. And so that I'm really heartened by that. And just our ability to defend the perimeter combined with, AD maybe playing the five. I I know this is something we talked about a lot last year, but I can see a really fast team in this year's roster just with the the roster composition, AD at the five and just the style of play. Yeah, we talked about that last year, but those
3: guys were rarely available all at the same time. And I don't want to make a bunch of excuses for Frank Vogel because Vogel made plenty of mistakes for himself and he doesn't need me to try to defend him right but it would have been interesting to see like if you would have had some of these ingredients available from from the very beginning what would the shape of the roster taken based off of these guys are clearly better right and we don't have to give anyone a placeholder spot who isn't capable just because you don't have any of your wings to start the season and Mm. it's been super interesting to watch guys like Christie or guys like Lonnie Walker, um, sort of come in and say, well, I'm going to have to defend if I'm going to play. And that seems pretty clear for Walker. He's like, Hey man, there's a ton of guards here. How am I going to play? I'm going to play because I'm defending. And then that did allow him to then get it going offensively. Um, but I want to go to break here really quickly, because on the other side of this, I do want to talk more about the guy who didn't play last season, who we thought was going to be a part of that speed, and has really shown up big during the exhibition part, and that's Kendrick Nunn.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: um, And I was talking to Danny LaRue, who is from real GM. And before the game, I was just like, you know, one of the guys who I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about is Kendrick Nunn and Nunn's just been playing well. And last night was no exception. He shot the ball well again. He really got the team into a lot of their actions. And he came off the bench, Pete, even though... Russ didn't play, even though Pat Bev didn't play, you could have had an opportunity there to start a percent none, but mm-hmm. they didn't. They brought him off of the bench and he came in the game cooking. Talk to me a little bit about what you've been seeing from Kendrick Nunn and how confident are you that this level that we've seen from him is the level that he can come close to or be at almost every single night because he's playing at a high, high level right yeah. now.
2: I mean, he's not going to shoot 61 or 63%, whatever he is right now, right? That's going to come down a bit, but his level of competence within organized actions is what really stands out to me. Like our level of organization on the offensive end, like remember last year, he played in four preseason games and you were like, this guy's eh, whatever. Right. And but I think that that speaks to a certain level of the ball snapping around this year, in part because just, we're really organized on offense. I'm just so excited about that. And so his ability to score off of the bench, I think he's I think he's locked down that sixth man role. The what you just pointed out about him not starting last night, along with A.D. starting at the five when you totally could have started Jones, you totally could have started T.B., that's another sign that none came off the bench last night, and he really makes sense in a defensive-centric second unit, which I think is going to be a lot of the build of that second unit group, in that he can get you a lot of buckets in uh, in that type of environment, whereas with the starters – He's he's capable of playing alongside them, but he doesn't get to touch the ball as much, nor should he, right? You got LeBron out there and AD, but in those other units where it's one or the other of LeBron and AD, like his ability to do skill guard stuff off of organized actions, like he's so quick. He, he shook DiVincenzo with a beautiful cross yesterday, and he just got a lot of those kind of quick darting type of moves off of the dribble. And is able to function off of the ball while being a competent defender on the other end. And so I was thinking last night, like Kendrick Nunn is how I like my Lou Williamses, right. If you're going to be a bucket, sure. getter off the bench, like be able to n- do it within the context of a broader offense and be able to just competently defend your position. And I think he checks those boxes. Super curious what he looked like in person. Well, he just looked polished and he looked confident.
3: Like, I don't know, man. There was a possession where the ball sort of seemed to stall out a little bit. And from my vantage point, I think it was late in the clock and none might have been on the sort of right hash area. And Uh clock is under 10. It's probably at like seven, six, seven, eight seconds left. And everything is just sort of stalled, stalled out. And none just sort of fires off a three that he buries. And it's just like, like, oh well look at you you can also bail out a possession yep. and so all of the stuff that you're talking about that stuff's going going to be crucial from an overall game management standpoint right like we don't have to do anything special for you and you can get 12 14 mm-hmm. 16 points just off of getting something in transition or coming off of a handoff and then now you've got a switch right because guys are Going over the top of screens on you, which again, like I can't stress this enough so how awful. important it is to have a player where guys have to go over the top of screens because especially it, on this team. Yeah, especially on on this team. But it's just like this is what was opening up a lot of the passing reads for none as well. Is So yeah. I think he had six or seven assists last night and Mm -hmm. a lot and he had several other assist chances that didn't get converted but a lot of that is because your reads coming off of a ball screen when a guy isn't ducking under and you basically have one less defender to worry about in your passing windows it just makes your reads easier and so I don't think of none as a guy who is going to make the cross-court skip pass with like ease and, and do all of the sort of like advanced read stuff but if his first reads are pull up and shoot the pull-up jumper or get all the way to the basket or okay it's all compressed here kick out strong side wing or skip pass if those are his only four reads he's gonna make those at a pretty high level Mm almost every single possession right because those are pretty basic reads for a for a guy who's been running ball screens probably his entire life right Where it starts to get trickier is when guys are ducking under and now there's an extra set of hands coming at you. The big can press up on you a little bit more because the guard is coming underneath the screen. And now his height and his size and his court vision, all of that stuff gets impacted just a little bit more. And it makes his reads harder. Right. And, And so I thought he was just doing a great job at understanding what the defense was giving him. And then just saying, like, I'm skilled enough to take advantage of of this stuff, uh, regardless of who the defenders are. And that's a guy who coming off the bench again, man, 12, 14, 16 points, he can get that for you within the flow of the game.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that one of the bigger tests for him is going to be how he handles more physical teams. That's going to be something that. how, how much he's able to keep that same rhythm and flow within the offense against those type of squads. You know, we'll see how that goes, but early returns, you know, been very impressed with Dunn's preseason. Um, I want to shift attention though to the back of the roster as we close out the pod. Uh, Matt Ryan had himself a night, at least, especially in that second half. Um, We've talked a lot about the back end, right? Between Jay Huff, Cole Swider, now Ryan, uh, Max Christie. I'd love to get into what you've seen out of Max. But that back part of the roster, there's been so much talk about the Lakers' lack of shooting in terms of personnel, which is true, right? What value does a guy that can just fling it the way that Matt Ryan uh, has? And this is some a role we've envisioned for Swider as well. Yeah, Ryan...
3: Ryan shoots it with confidence, man. And he, I was telling Dan before the game, I was just like, "Oh, this kid who's coming in right now, this this thirty seven kid." I said, "Him and Cole Swider." I said, "I think that they have a competition as to who can get the shots up fastest,
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: and who can fire off as many threes within their shift because this dude he has no fear and he lets him go right." And he did get hot and post game, he was talking to Mike and, and he said that, you, you know, he had, he had been missing long, but basically all of his shots were on target. And he was just like, it's just a matter mm. of time before these start, start to fall. And, against the Warriors that's when they did I do think there's value in having a player like him on the roster you were messaging us during the game and just saying that he's got a good understanding of how to like like move off the ball he cuts Mm -hmm. well he is he he shows a, a good feel as as a passer and I had said that some of that comes from guys running at you so much that if if you've been a shooter your entire life guys run at you and you know how to deal with guys running at you and and how to make that pocket bounce pass or that over the top skip or how to cut off of some some actions because teams are overplaying you because they don't want you to make a catch at all and so I think there is value there I don't know if he should get the 15th roster spot but it's just like I wouldn't mind seeing him on a two-way contract where he could get, you know, upwards of 50 games with the Lakers if that's what ended up need to to happen. Because he has real gravity. Like guys were running at him and he was drawing attention coming off of pin downs and coming off of handoffs that honestly, like that's the type of attention that makes good players – and great players even better because guys run at you and that means someone else is open when that happens so i was just happy for him to see his shot go down but you could see how his gravity was impacting the rest of the players on the floor
2: the idea of that on a lebron and ad team is you know very very tempting and you were talking about the competition between swider and ryan to get the shots up but i think there's very much a competition between those two guys right like in terms of their strengths and weaknesses they're similar enough to where it's like oh yeah those two are competing for a similar type of job or role now this though is where i think ryan has the advantage in that he's been a pro this is swider's first year in the pro ranks and he's he had been in a bit of a slump uh, i think he missed 10 or 11 threes in a row And that's always interesting to watch a shooter, how they go through a slump, how they break themselves out of it. And after missing, I think, the 11th one, there was a play. It was the game before this where it got kicked out to Swider on the left wing and he was open enough to shoot it, but he racked it. he, He drove into the paint and drew free throws. I'm like, great. That's that's smart. That's one of those things that from a shooter, because you get a little bit in your head, like go get an easy one, get a free throw, get a layup. Uh, and then the next one, he curled it and knocked down a mid-range jumper. And it's like, hey, all right, Cole, you're snapping yourself out of a slump. I think that's an important skill for a shooter to have. But there was, he was very much in his head. He was a guy who was watching after every miss and he's like clapping his hands together, frustrated, like, damn, like he, you could see he really wants it, but it's always interesting to see a shooter getting used to the speed of a pro game. And I think that Swider is adjusting to that. Matt Ryan was in the G League last year. He had like a 38-point game last year with, with Maine. And He was on a two-way with the Celtics. So right. you know that he was play like you know that he was getting good reps. And professional basketball is not foreign to him, whereas Swider is getting used to that. And you were mentioning the 15th spot that doesn't have to be guaranteed until January. So I've been looking for that last spot. I was like, Hey, maybe we need an extra big with Huff. And then I watched Huff a little bit more against more athletic guys. It's like, ah, he's, I, he's not the guy that I wish that, that he was. Um, yeah. and then Swider getting used to this as far as that 15th spot goes, cause that has some trade value, right? You could take an extra player back in a trade, but between now and January at the very least, I I could very much see Ryan getting that spot because our other forwards that we have, JTA and Wenyan, have both been very good in this preseason, but they don't have his skill set and he doesn't have theirs. And so I just think having different tools in the toolbox is important. And so I could very much see him getting that last spot.
3: Yeah. And Darvin Ham even said post game, and maybe he was just being generous a little bit. Right. But like he may have earned himself a job tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is it's not just a job from the Lakers. Right. Like Matt Ryan is out yep. here shooting for his basketball career with any team right he's basically a free agent he doesn't have a contract with anyone and if the Lakers don't sign him to either a two-way or to sort of some sort of non-guaranteed deal for their 15th roster spot he'll be waived now will he get picked up by another team that's that's no guarantee and maybe he'll end up on uh, the Lakers G League team but I am always intrigued by any player who already has an NBA level skill. Right. Because we talk a lot about like, oh, these are the best basketball players in in the world. But what is the thing that you can actually do to survive on an NBA court and do it efficiently or effectively enough where defenses or offenses need to be? concerned about you where you may not be level one two or three within the game plan but when you're on the court they have scouted you and they understand what you are good and are not good at and ryan can just shoot the hell out out of the ball man and you could just tell he does not need a lot of time he does not need a lot of space and he is big enough to get his shot up against a lot of wing-sized defenders and i'll be interested to see if It turns into anything. Right. But um, would I mind seeing him on the Lakers beyond the preseason? That's not something that I'd be against. Before we, we close out, though, I did want to talk a little bit about Max Christie. I just continue to be impressed with him. defensively at least um offensively his his game is is hit or miss he got an offensive rebound off of a a long like the ball got batted around a little bit and he ended up at the foul line and he air balled an an elbow jumper right he also hit a nice three in the corner and he hit a nice pull-up jumper along the baseline and so he drew a couple of free throws on on a nice drive so the offense It comes and goes for him. I thought that he there was a trial by fire in defending Jordan Poole some during Mm -hmm. Poole's hot stretch. And and he got caught up on some screens and and Poole was doing some truly spectacular stuff. The crowd was going crazy for, for Jordan Poole, but talk to me about what you've seen from, from Christie, particularly defensively. And do you think it translates to anything during the regular season or it's just a nice building block for him as he progresses in to what is very likely to be a rookie season where he does not see a lot of playing time?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's possible because defense is what gets you on the court. That said, with the starters, I thought it showed a little bit of the weakness at his age in that he was on Wiggins a lot, especially in the first shift. And I thought Wiggins kind of took advantage of him with his size and physicality. And that's something that I think Max, especially amongst starting groups, he's just too slight of build at this point. That said – He's not exactly what I expected him to be when we drafted him stylistically, right? He was kind of drafted as this... uh not drafted as, he, he was thought to be this three and D type of player and offensively very much a shooter. He's much more of a power guard than I expected him to be. He's got a lot more athletic pop than I thought he would. I love how he rebounds. He jumps real high, two hands, secures the ball, um, really good you know, perimeter rebounder, has dr- drove to the basket a few times and gotten free throw attempts as a, a function of that strength. And so I, it's been super interesting to see that, oh, this kid's actually very physical. And that's encouraging when a 19 year old is showing you that because by the time he's 21, 22 and fills out a bit, that's when he can really utilize that power guard type of tools. I'm skeptical enough about his offense to where I'm still very much like, let me see it. I'm with you on the defensive end. Um, but offensively we'll see if his range, you know, uh creeps out to the three point line more than anything. It's the speed of his shooting stroke that I have kind of skepticism about. If you're going to be a three and D type of guy, there are going to be times where you got to catch it and you got to let it go. And he just, he kind of gathers, it takes him a while to get that up. And so that said, this is a development year, but I think it's more of a function of, we just have a lot of guys that play the position or close to what he plays, but I would totally feel comfortable with him in second units. If you know, we have some injuries just cause he can defend.
3: Yeah, his shooting mechanics, they do not stay the same as he gets sped up, Mm. right? When you see him sort of have to really get through and and rip up the shooting motion in order to let it fly quickly, a lot of times his follow through becomes low and then Mm. he's missing front rim a ton. Right. And it's just like it's not all coordinated and the timing is not in sync anymore. If if he feels like he has to get get it up quickly. Um, So I'm interested as well just like you are to see if the if the jump shot comes comes around I feel pretty comfortable even though I mentioned that he airballed a 15 footer before I feel pretty comfortable with him shooting the dribble pull up in between like, like 15 to 18 feet I think that he mm-hmm. that's a shot that he it looks like he's been shooting since he was probably a sophomore in high school right where it's just like th- that's in his wheelhouse and, and he looks fine shooting that shot when it's a 20 footer or when it's an NBA three he looks less sure of himself in terms of like this is a shot that he's comfortable taking and making but he is way more athletic than what I thought now when I say way more athletic than than what I thought he's not Zach Levine out there right but 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 he he moves his feet really well he gets off the ground better than than what what i thought he shows pretty nice feel as a passer and as a all-around basketball player you could tell that he's got he's just got some of that that you really want from a guy who's going to have to play a lot on the perimeter so i am happy with where he's at so far and and i just think that his defense the way that he traces and tracks the ball, the way that he plays with high hands, the way that he is really fighting to get over the top of screens and, and really just slide with this guy defensively, that that first possession of the game where you talked about how he got a block on pull, a lot of that was because he was sliding his feet And played with good size so that when Mm Poole tried to get into his body, he was able to absorb that. And because he plays with high hands, he didn't have to like track in order to get up to try to contest. The contest was there already, and that's how he got the block. And so there are some fundamental things that he does that you try to teach players that and... Sometimes it just never comes around for them to play that exact style defensively. And so I'm happy that he's showing that already as a 19 year old, because it shows that that's going to be a permanent part of his game, which is going to be super useful for him as he
2: develops into his more like grown up body. Right. Just in a more global sense, I've been really impressed at his level of maturity. Mike asked him uh, in postgame, not after this most recent game, but the one before that, about the speed of the NBA game. And he was like, that's a common observation that young players have. And Max was actually like, no, I actually don't think I've gotten sped up at this level. I agree on a couple of the jumpers he has. But in a general sense, he has played his game and he's very confident in that. And he knows who he is, uh, very self-possessed for a 19-year-old, just really excited about who he can be. Um, So fun win. Good to get the first first win of the preseason. Uh, we got a game on Wednesday. So the next two pods, I think we're going to be getting into some of the more of the camp battles. Things are really starting to solidify. Darvin Ham mentioned that we're going to uh, likely see more of a regular season rotation these last two games, at least to some extent. Um, excited to see that. We will be back tomorrow to talk about all of it. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
3: Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his
1: belly. Magic scores. And
3: Magic, got it.
1: Magic fires. It's the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Three
3: seconds left. That next will win it. It's on the way. Good!
1: 48 points, 16 rebounds. There's, there's
0: the move. Scores. Two one. Score. It's it's it. It. and one. Miss it. One of the victory. It's over. It's over. And shot popping out of
1: five. Bryant. Yes. Yeah. That was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Two point one seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.